Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Everybody good? Everybody good? You sound good. Boy, I tell you, it's so much fun because sometimes you come to church and, and uh, you kind of get the whole like um, uh, real quiet crowd. And, and y'all are very responsive today. I really kind of like that. So uh, I appreciate you being here. It's an encouragement to our team. Didn't they do a good job this morning? Man, they did a really good job of worship this morning. So grateful for uh, Tara and what her team's doing. And I do want to encourage you, even though she said it already, to go to Life Steps. If you've not been to Life Steps, um, if you have a question a thought of serving, if you, th if, if you have pretty much about 90% of the questions we get asked, our response to you is Life Steps. So, uh, so if you've got questions or, uh, about anything, probably the answer is Life Steps. So right after this, across the street, 1045, will be Life Step 1 starting today. So uh, perfect timing for you to get involved and go check that out and, and be a part of that. And then, of course, don't forget to get your dinners. Like she said, there's only 200 dinners. And believe it or not, those are going to go fast. Uh, last Sunday... Just so you know, because you guys get one perspective coming to this service, but of course then there's the 11 o'clock. So just to give you a perspective, uh, last Sunday morning, uh, attendance was about 225 people here at church between the two services. So uh, not too shabby for a year and eight months uh, that what God is doing amongst us. We're so grateful, but we only have 200 dinners. So that means somebody ain't getting some barbecue, you know what I'm saying? So get your tickets early is what I'm trying to say to you. But um, I'm excited to kind of jump uh, into a little bit different. We've been studying the book of James and we did that. We ended that last week. And uh, as I was praying about, you know, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to hear? Uh, what is it that, that we can do? And uh, I'll be honest with you. I changed the, what we're doing over the next few weeks. I changed it like four times. Uh, like I kept going, this is what God's saying. Nope. That was Mike. Uh, this is what God's saying. Nope, that was the pizza last night. You know, kind of like, and I finally, I, what I really felt like that the, the Holy Spirit settled on was um, the idea of some of Jesus' last words um, as he was hanging on the cross. And so for the next three weeks, including Easter Sunday, we're going to take a phrase that Jesus said on the cross, and we're going to kind of study that phrase, if that makes sense. And so that's why we, we've called it Famous Last Words, uh, because these are... Obviously, some of the last words spoken. And, you know, I, I, I'm doing a series right now, funny enough, with the youth on Wednesday night called Famous Last Words. And one of the things that we're taught, we talked about this past Wednesday night was the fact that if I asked you right now, like, what are you praying for? You know, you might have a certain thing. But if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, do you think your prayer would change? Do you think your words would change? I mean, the perspective there. So when you think about Jesus literally having been beat to death and all that we just remembered in, in taking communion together, man, his words, he, he wasn't playing around, right? Like, I mean, it was, this, is, this is the raw, real deal. And growing up, I grew up in the Episcopal Church. Um, any, any other Whiskey Pellions here? Grew up Episcopalian? Nope, just me. All right, I'm the only Whiskey Pellion. All right. Um, 
And, and that's, that's kind of a joke that we have because my wife uh, grew up Southern Baptist. So, you know, in the Southern Baptist church, like uh, drinking was like worse than pornography. You, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. Um, and so, but I grew up and like the pastor would be standing there in the Episcopal church um, having something to drink in the fellowship hall. Um, because we're in Louisiana and it was a different culture, you know, and that whole thing. And so I grew up in, in just kind of a whole different world than my wife and we came together. But one of the things that was very different also about me growing up was this concept of um, the, the preparation for Easter. And uh, I've been in Episcopal Church, Catholic Church, Methodist Church, uh, Pentecostal Church, Charismatic Church. I went to the uh, youth. I mean, I went to the um, mission field with a very Pentecostal group. I, I've been a little bit involved with independent Baptist, non-denomination. I mean, you name it, like I've seen across. And one of the things that I've seen um, is the more you get into like an Episcopal, Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, formal, or what we might call liturgical. In other words, liturgy. In other words, they read. You know, have you ever been to those where you stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, and you say the words over and you read out of the book kind of thing? That would be like a liturgical type of church. As opposed to like we're more denominational or you get into charismatic or this kind of thing. What, one of the big differences that I see in, in my experience is the way we deal with Easter and this time period. Right? When you're in sort of a non-denominational world or that kind of thing, everything's all about Easter, 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 Easter. Right? It's all about Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. But when I grew up, we started with Ash Wednesday. Anybody remember Ash Wednesday? Anybody do Ash Wednesday? Like you walked around the rest of the day looking like a goober. Everybody wondered what your deal was. You got something on your head. No, I went to church. Yeah, all that stuff. And so it's um, uh, so, so funny. I saw a meme the other, uh, right after Ash Wednesday this year. And there was a meme on uh, the Internet. Had this guy, and he was an anchor on TV, but he had been to Ash Wednesday morning service. He must, must have been Catholic. And it said, uh, the meme said, uh, if you're looking for a good Catholic boy, God has marked them all for you today, single ladies. So, uh, so, <laughs> but, but, but that, that, you know, the whole kind of Ash Wednesday thing, if you don't know what that is, basically they burn the ashes from Palm Sunday of previous year. They burn the ashes and mark, and it's, we're starting Lent. How many of you grew up giving up things for Lent? Anybody here? Okay, there's a handful of you. Uh, we gave up things for Lent. So for 40 days, which is what it goes, Lent, 40 days before Easter, Symbolic of the 40 days Jesus went out into the wilderness and fasted and right and, and all. So you give up stuff. And so like we grew up giving up stuff. So like I remember when I was a kid um, giving up all kinds of different stuff and, and, and doing that whole scenario. And it was a preparation time. Well, then Holy Week came. Right. And we, and we called it Holy Week. And we had all kinds of stuff going on during Holy Week. I remember being in college and being part of the all night prayer vigil. That started on Thursday. We had what was called Monday Thursday service. And it was a very solemn, dark, put black on the cross, you know, kind of a deal. All this symbolism. And, 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 and I think, listen, just hear me on this one. I think we miss that over in this world a little bit. Because we don't go through the depth of it to get to the celebration of it. Do, do, you understand what I'm saying to you? Like, I think it's healthy for us sometimes... For us to kind of d dig in a little bit, to get to the place where we kind of remember. I think that's why, you know, Mel Gibson so long ago did The Passion or other people have tried to do this scenario is, is because for us to understand. And so I remember doing an all night prayer vigil at the Episcopal Church and I was a college kid and um, equals dumb. And um, 
But, but I remember, it's one of, the, one of the times I can remember having a real a serious encounter with God. Um, I knelt down to pray in this little chapel in this Episcopal church, and it was not a spirit-filled church or anything. It was very liturgical, very kind of politically correct. All the who's who people went there. It was that kind of, you know, scenario. But uh, as a college kid, there was a purity to my heart, and I knelt down that night. And I'm telling you, my knees hit the little kneeler. If you remember the little kneelers, if any of you guys have done those. I, my, and, and my friend tapped me on the shoulder. And I went, what? Like, I just knelt down. He said, dude, it's time to go. I said, what do, you, what do you mean it's time to go? Like, I had just knelt down. And I had been in God's presence for two hours. And I was... I was and I laugh because I'm like, this is the Episcopal Church. It's not like the Spirit-filled, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that scenario. Uh, but, but in God's presence. And I think sometimes we miss God's presence because all we want to talk about is blessing. Come on. All I want to talk about is this other end of it instead of dealing with the stuff. And so today I'm going to deal with the stuff. Um, I'll go ahead and warn you now. I hope you brought some tissues. I'm going to touch some tender stuff today because I think it's important for us. If we're going to celebrate Easter and we're going to celebrate the resurrection, right? That, that, that we understand what it means that, that he died, he suffered and was buried, that, that he went through what he went through. And so I'm going to read you a little bit of, of, from Matthew 27. It says this, above his head, they placed the written charges against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. So this was a mocking, right? They're just mocking him like, oh yeah, here's the king hanging on this tree. He's Mr. Big and Bad. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their head and saying... You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, big boy. Can you hear him? Just the, the mocking. You ever been in that place? You ever been in that place where somebody's kind of just mocking you? You know, saying words to you that you're just, and you, maybe you, you want to respond or you want to retaliate. And Jesus is in that moment. And for those of you who've ever felt that, you just need to know your Savior has felt that as well. Right? You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. Can you hear the mocking? Can you hear the, the jokes? And then this next sentence that I need you to grab a hold of. He trusts God. Think that through for a second. I described to you earlier, beaten outside of recognition, hanging on the cross. Some of the science says this. It says the way he would have been nailed with his feet together and his hands like this, that he probably would not have been able to breathe unless he pushed up on the nails of his feet to take a breath. He is in the worst scenario probably any person has ever been on the face of this earth. I don't care what you and I have been through. It's nothing compared to this moment. Right? As he carries the weight of the sin of the world, the shame of hanging there naked and mocked, and then they say, 
Really, you still trust God. I wonder if you've ever been, have you, have you ever been there? You ever been at a place where the voices say, maybe they're voices outside from people, or maybe it's just voices in your head, because something happens in your life that comes out of nowhere and sideswipes you, and the voices go, you still trust God? Really? You, you, you really, you really going to still trust God in this, even though you see what's going on? Even though you see your marriage, even though you see your kids, even though you just got fired, even though you feel like your whole world falling apart, we all have been there and we may even be there again soon because life is life, right? Well, you might be blessed right now, but boy, the winds of life change quickly, don't they? Boy, I think of, 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 of Dallas, Cottam that we just, they just, they buried her. 22 years old, right? Gone and just like that. Thought, they had, thought she had the rest of her life. The family thought she had the rest of her life in front of her. And yet life changes just like that. And do you not think that the words whisper right now in their ear, you still trust God? Just, you just lost your daughter. Do you still trust? And that's the mocking. That's the moment that Jesus is hanging on this cross. And he can relate to you and I. Right? When we're in that place of doubt, when we're in that place of fear, they go on. Let God rescue him now if he, if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. And in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. I don't want to get too judgy or too much finger pointing. Because you and I probably would have said the same thing if we're honest. Come on. Think about the situation. Think about what it would have been like to stand there and to see him in that situation. We might have thought in our head, really, like he still trusts God? Like, God, are you even here? Are Are you even, God, do you see this? But the word trust, hear this, the word trust, the translated word trust is pytho, which is from the original language the Bible was written in. And here's the definition. To convince, to rely on with inward certainty, to have full confidence and complete trust. They look at him hanging on the cross. You still trust him? It's one thing to trust God when things are okay, right? It's another thing when it gets dark. It's another thing when you, when you can't see. It's been an issue for mankind since the very, very beginning of time. Do you remember Adam and Eve and the story? Right? And the serpent comes. And the serpent asks her a trust question. Right? He, say, he says, really? God told you you can't eat of that? You really, really, you trust him? That that's really true? And she didn't trust And sin came into the world. And it's been our issue ever since. It's been our struggle ever since that when darkness comes, when those times come, when we're in that place where we go, I don't know what's next. That we either choose our feelings or we choose to trust. We either choose to go with our emotions 
or to trust. Look at this, Matthew 28, reading on in verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. Darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out. And the translation is, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? Nine hours. For nine hours, he hung on that cross and there was darkness. For nine hours, the Father, and, and I, I won't understand all the theology, so I, I won't get into that with you. And understand, i got to be honest, that's, I don't understand all that, the two, one, and all that kind of stuff. But all I know is what it says is that the Father turned his face away from the Son. And I need you to understand something. Jesus, not once did he ever complain about anything a man ever did to him. Not once. When they spit in his face, when they beat him to a pulp, not once did he ever complain. But when the Father, when the Father turned his presence from him, he couldn't take it. He couldn't take God. Why? Why have you forsaken me? Jesus experiences the worst of the worst. The feeling of God turning uh, away from him. Watch this. Hi, my name is Lisa, and in July of 2008, my husband and I went in for a routine ultrasound at 20 weeks. And we found out then that our baby didn't have a heartbeat. Hi, my name is Scott. About, it was an early morning, I got a phone call and it was about my grandson being taken to the hospital. And he was my little buddy. He was, he was the world to me. I have other grandkids, but, but Nova was, he was special. Uh, my name is Deidre, and um, my father sexually abused me until I was eight years old. Um, and he also beat the living daylight out of my mother. And when we got there and they had just had just gotten him resuscitated. They admitted him into the, his room, and and it was at that point that I was like, God, why? Why? He's, he's not even three years old. Why would you take this precious boy? It made me feel betrayed by God. It made me feel dirty. It made me feel like God left me um, out there by myself. Um, and I asked why. Um, I couldn't understand why God would allow something like that to happen to me. It was about a week when, when he finally uh, passed away. So that was the hardest thing that we ever had to go through. And it was the hardest point in my life. And I questioned and questioned and questioned why why was this baby taken from us when I never got to hold him or kiss his face? Well, this is real, isn't it? We will all ask the question at some point in our life, why? Why? 
maybe some of you are, are there right now. And you're going, why, why God? I don't understand. Why, God, I feel forsaken. I feel like you're not even there. And life can be tough with so many questions. We have to, we have to address those feelings. We can't push them away. We can't pretend like they're not real. We can't pretend like and and just play this this Christian, everything's great thing. Because they're very, very real, right? And yet we can't stay there and wallow in those feelings and emotions. So something has to change. Knowing that we can't change the situation, the only thing that there is for us to change is our perspective. Right? It's for us to have a little bit different understanding. And Paul, goodness gracious, if there was anyone who could talk about why moments, it was Paul. Right? Paul is one of the apostles, if you don't know, and, 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 and he was a later, a later follower of Jesus, not one of the original. But, but he followed Jesus and wrote most of the New Testament. And, and he was shipwrecked. He was beaten. Matter of fact, there were several times that the Bible says he was beaten with 39 lashes. They've done the science since then. And according to the science, 40 lashes and you're dead. So they had learned exactly how to beat you right till death so you would suffer and not let you die kind of a thing. And Paul had been there. But he writes these words, listen to these words, 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Perspective. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am known fully. What is he saying? He's saying, hey guys, you're only seeing some of it. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. But you've got to hear me, you're only seeing a part of it. You're not seeing the whole, and you've got to hold on. You've got to Hold on, it's about perspective. Let me ask you, Lizzie, would you put that word up for us? Tell me what word you see. Ah, perspective. Because some of us, when we get into tough situations, God is nowhere to be found. But with the right perspective, we understand that God is now here in the midst of my trouble. It's all about perspective. It's all about what you see and what you choose to see. God is nowhere to be found or God is here. This is the battle and sometimes it is so hard to understand. Would you not agree? It's hard. It's hard to understand. You know, Brennan, who sits here in the front row, shared with me. I mean, some of you guys don't even know, but Brennan last semester was in a coma here in, in the hospital. It's, it's, it's about perspective and his gratefulness now to be alive is infectious, right? It's, it's, it's all about perspective. Holding a child still for them to get shots. Anybody been there? You ever held a child still so that they could get shots or maybe get stitches? I, I've been held down still so that they could put stitches in the back of my head. Explains a lot, I know. But there's nothing quite like looking at the face of your child, right? And they're looking at you like, really, mom, 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 
Come on, Mom. Why, Mom? Why, why, Mom? And, you, and they don't have any kind of perspective. They don't have any kind of ability to understand. No, 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 no. This is for your best interest. Right? This is what is good for you. I know you're going right now. There's no way this is good for me. The freaky lady in the white is sticking me with stuff. Right? But a three-year-old can't understand that. And the same is true, listen, of you and me. In some ways, we're the three-year-old. And our Heavenly Father, who's in charge of all things and sovereign over all things, is holding us in a moment. And we're looking at Him and going, why are you... Are you, are you even there? What are you doing, God? Where are you, God? And he's going, I got you. I got you. Let me work this for your good. Let me turn this and just trust me and who I am. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Hey, guys, I'm, we, we don't think the same way. The three-year-old and the parent don't think the same way. Would you agree? Just as we and our God, our Father, don't think the same way. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. You're going to have to trust me, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How do we go from the thought that God is nowhere to be found to recognizing that God is now here? The only way we can do this is trust. Trust. I have to completely convince myself that God is who he says he is. Let me give you three things. Three simple statements that I'm going to give you and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ground them into your head today. Because I want you to walk out here saying this today. Because these are the three things and three simple things that I want to give you today for you to hold on to. Okay? When you're the three-year-old, <laughs> going, what the heck is going on here? Right? Something for you to hold on to. Number one, God is good. God is good. Trust in His nature, not our nature. Trust in His nature, not our nature. His ways are higher than our ways, right? He, he, is, he is bigger. He is more than us. For some reason, He's got you in that place, and He is good. He is good. Mark 10 and 18 says, no one is good except God alone. God is good. I don't see that right now. I'm not asking you to see it. I'm asking you to trust it. I don't feel that right now. I'm not asking you to feel it. I'm asking you to trust it. See, the reality is, is your feelings are going to lie to you guys, right? Your feelings are going to lie. They're going to lie to you. Right? Just, just as much as, as men, as your, your feelings lie to you when you look across the hallway at work and go, oh, she looks kind of good. And your feelings are lying to you about what the ending is going to be in that scenario. Right? Your feelings will lie. Listen to me. God is good. Say it. God is good. He's good. It is his nature. God is outside of the craziness that you and I see every day. See, God's not bad because of what we see in the world. That's faulty thinking. That's not understanding the story. 
God was good and created good, but he gave the opportunity for us to have free will to choose. If I take you and I take you home with me today, right? And I make you my friend, George, and I will love you. You may remember that old. Anyway, if I take you home with me today, all the, all the young people are like, what? Uh, but, but if I take you home with me today and I go, you know what? You're going to love me. And I take you home and I lock you in one of my closets. And I pull you out every once in a while and go, I love you. Do you love me? Yep, good. Bam, lock the door. That's not called love. That's called slavery. Right? And so God did not create that situation with us. We're not robots. We're not slaves. He gave us the free will because real love chooses. And so we had the opportunity and you and I have the opportunity every day to choose him or not him. And even that moment said, no, I don't trust. The the serpent tempted me and took me away from trusting God. So I'm going to do it my own way. Right? And in that moment, sin came into the world. Did that change the nature of God? It did not change the nature of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and always. Right? What it did change was the nature of this planet. What it did change was the nature of you and I. What it did was curse this world and change the nature of this world. So the nature of this world and the things we see, like starving children and crazy situations that drive us insane, have nothing to do with the nature of who God is. Because God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. Number two, that you've got to remember when you don't understand... When you feel forsaken, when you're just like Jesus in that moment and you're going, well, God, number two, God is for me. God is for me. See, you got to trust in God's promises and not your feelings. Because God is God. He is God and he is good and his nature is always the same. And just because I'm in a broken world and my feelings are raging and life around me is going crazy. It has nothing to do with who he is or his passion and love for me. God loves me so much, wants me to grow up so much, that he will limit himself to allow me to have consequences, to allow my character to be shaped, to allow me to hold me down and let me get some shots. Because it's no, he knows it's for my greater good. God is good. God is for you. Look at Romans 8, 31 through 33. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, we said it last week. It's God and Satan. Come on, it's not Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader. It's not God is God, right? He's huge. As probably our president would say, huge. But anyway, but he's huge, right? And God, Satan is just Satan. He's so cute. Tap him on that. Seriously, compared to God, right? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. He, he, he loves you so much he didn't even spare his own son. But he gave him up for us all. How will we will also, along with him, graciously give all things 
Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Romans 8 and 28 is not in your notes, but it says he works all things for your good. For those that love him. Can I say this to you, though? You have to participate. You can't just do whatever you want. Then turn around and say, hey, God, fix it. It's a relationship, right? He's for you, but he also expects you to participate, right? Number three, God is good. God is for me. God is with me. God is with me. Trust in his presence, even in the darkness. God the Father looked down on the Son dying on the cross. And I'm sure his heart was grieved. I'm sure in whatever way that he he expresses emotion in his spirit being, and I don't know exactly what that looks like. But the the comparison for us is it says he, he turned his face away. And he turned his face away from his only son and thought about you so that he would never ever have to turn his face away from you. That's how much God is for you. That's how good he is. That's how much he is with you. Look at Hebrews 13 and 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. What were the words that Jesus said? Why have you forsaken me? And he forsake his only son so that he would never have to forsake you. That's the best news you're going to hear all week. That there's a God who is so good, who's so for you and with you that he would forsake his only son and turn his face away so he would never have to do that to you. Even though we're sinners and even though we do the silly things that we do. That's a good God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. This is not in your note. If you, if you want to write down the reference, just write it down. I added this actually yesterday. And I saw the scripture and just thought, man, God, you're so good. 2 Corinthians, therefore, we do not lose heart. You ever in that place, just like Jesus, right? Where you're, 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 you're tempted to lose heart. You're tempted because you feel like, where are you, God? Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Anybody? Anybody looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> are you wasting away? Yeah, anyway. Um, some of us need to waste away a little more. But anyway, um, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, listen, we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Come on, come on, come on. Your light and momentary troubles. That's not the Bible downplaying what you're going through right now. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? That is the Bible saying, in comparison to glory, this is small. That's encouraging to me because I've been through some stuff, y'all. Anybody been through some stuff? Right? Jen and I, when we lost the baby, that was brutal. Three months later, we lose her dad. That was it. That summer, for those of you who don't like when I say stuff like this, I'm sorry, but that summer sucked. It did. 
And then we tried to have kids and we couldn't have kids. And that was a bummer because I'm one of those weird guys that from a very young age, all I thought about was, man, I want to be a good dad one day. Like I I wanted to have like 4,000 kids, you know, like, and so it was for a number of years there. And, and I faked it. I faked it really well because I saw my wife hurting. So I tried to be the rock, right? And I faked it real well about my disappointment, you know? And I couldn't say to her in that moment, I'm really upset and really bought because it would just, you know, it would destroy her. I know how she thinks it would be guilt. It would be right. She feels her fault. And, you know, and so that was such a hard time period. But I don't see the whole picture in that moment. In that moment, I didn't see Richard. It was our first foster son who we adopted. In that moment, I didn't see Cody. Cody, that kid. Oh my gosh. We were on a first name basis with the nurses in the emergency room. I didn't see Tina, Dominic, Nefeteria. Next month, y'all, Christina graduates high school. I didn't see a Yana who's about to drive. Stay off the sidewalks, you know what I'm saying? You were crying, so I had to make you laugh. I didn't see Jasmine who we just celebrated a 15th birthday yesterday. If I had given up on God in that moment, I had no idea. Would I go through that a hundred times over to have my girls all day? So whatever it is that you're going through and whatever is coming, hear me, whatever's coming, God is good. Yeah? God is for you. And God is with you. The more that I get to know my God, the less I ask why. The more I get to know Him, the more I ask what or how. Not why, God, are you doing this? Not why, God, do I have to go through this? Why, God, do I have to have this pain? Why, God, do I have to have this diagnosis? Why, God, did the doctor say that? Why, God, is my wife doing this? Man, I met a guy this week who's actually a teacher at the school, great believer. His wife cheated on him with their pastor. No kidding. That's what I thought. I'm like, did you shoot somebody? No, I didn't say that, but I thought that. Do you know he told me the story that a few years later he went and sat down with both of them and said, I just need you to know I love you both and I forgive you. I thought that's a man who knows his heavenly father. That's a man who knows that God is good and that God is for him. You know what? He didn't sit around in this and say why. He said, okay, God. What do you want me to do and how do you want me to respond? And so the more I get to know God, the more I ask questions instead of why like this. And let me give you a few questions. Here's some things for you to ask. I try to give you real practical stuff. 
Here's some questions for you to ask God instead of why. Number one, what can I learn? What can I learn? What do I need to learn in this situation? Right? What is it that that God has taken me through and he's trying to chisel in my life and he's trying to make me a better man or a better woman or a better teenager or a, a better single or wherever you are, a better senior? What is it that you're trying to teach out of me? Hebrews 5 and 8. Even though Jesus was God's son, listen, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Even Jesus in that moment, I don't understand it. He 100% God. I don't get, I don't get all that, right? We, we won't all argue all of the theology. I just trust God's word. It says what it is. I'm too dumb. I don't understand it. That's okay. God's God, right? But here's what I know. It says that even Jesus kind of learned through the suffering. And that's what God is doing with us sometimes. I got you, he says. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm still good. I'm just holding you down at the moment so you can get these shots. I'm just, I'm just in this moment, we're working on something. Maybe you can ask this. How can I love? Somebody stabs you in the back? Somebody says something about you? Somebody does you wrong. Let me ask the question. How can I love? How can I rise above this situation? What am I learning and how can I love? 2 Corinthians 1 and 4. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. Do you hear that? When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Right? I can sit around and waller and whine. Come on, you know people like that? Man, I know some people, I don't care what you say to them, they can make it negative. Right? They're like, they're like Hoovers. They suck the life out of you. You know what I'm talking about? Just, just, oh, you know, listen to, listen, and check yourself. Ask yourself, how do I respond? Do I always have a, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Can you please stop yeah, butting people? Can I say it to you this way? Nobody wants to talk about your butt. They don't. They really don't. Right? But instead, how can I love? What can I learn? And number three, how can I worship? Because when you're down in the dumps and you're looking and you're going, God, where are you? And what is going on? And all this. Let me, let me say one of the most important questions you can ask yourself in that moment is how can I worship? Like, like, how do I do this? How do I overcome my feelings? How do I overcome what's going on inside of me? And how do I worship? Because God, I need to find your presence. I need to figure out how to do this above and beyond my feelings. Hebrews 12 and 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Oh, that's about perspective. Because the current place is kind of shook. Can I get an amen on that one? My, my current dwelling, this blue blob thing that we're on, is kind of shook. But since we are receiving a, a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful. And please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. Holy fear and awe would go, I, you, you're God. <laughs> this situation stinks. It's a bummer. I think of Job, man, if you know the story of Job. As he stood there with boils on his... And he refused to curse God. 
Right? That we would be a people that remember God is good. God is for me. God is with me. God is good. God is for me. God is with me. God is good. God is for me. God is with me. No matter what I feel, no matter what I experience, no matter what you're going through, your God will not forsake you. He will not forsake you. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That's Jesus. That he hung on that cross and he made him to be sin. Listen to this. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Come on now. When we have the perspective to keep our minds focused on the unshakable kingdom, to keep our minds focused on who he is, you're good. And you're for me. I know you're holding me down right now while they stick me and it stinks and I don't get it. But I know you're good. And I know you're for me. And I know you are here with me. Even though in the moment I can't feel it. I know you're always present. You're always here. God is good. God is for me. God is with me. Watch this. I grew older, and um, in 2004, I was able to go on a mission trip to Honduras. And um, in some, in my prayer time in Honduras, I was I prayed and was still asking God why. Um, and I felt like God revealed to me that He allowed that to happen, so um, a passion could be birthed inside of me for students, for youth, for young people. We struggled with the why and um, questioned. And God showed us throughout the whole process that he was with us and that he, he was holding our Isaiah when we couldn't. But it was during the time when we knew that he was going to leave us, that he was going to, to go be with our Father in heaven, that we knew God was in this. We, we, we knew it was. But it was, it was difficult to get to that place. We, we really wanted him to be healed. But we, had, we began the process of accepting that God was God and God is good. I would never choose to have my father abuse me. But uh, by God allowing that to happen, um, I'm able, as a survivor, I'm able to tell my students that they too can forgive. They too can survive. They too can be healed um, and live with our true father. Because of that, man, I can experience the love of my true father, my heavenly father, a love that is pure and unconditional. After trying for a year and a half after losing Isaiah, um, we found out this past Christmas that um, I'm pregnant. And um, I have a piece about this pregnancy, and that's something that I feel that God has shown me and um, put on my heart and he's been faithful and he's good. Somebody here this morning that maybe you had started to kind of give up or you're starting to kind of give up on marriage, kids, whatever scenario in your life. And you need to hear it's just as simple this morning as you changing your perspective. It's just changing your perspective because your God is good. He is for you, and He is with you. Would you this morning choose to turn back towards Him? To turn away from your feelings, away from what you see, and turn your perspective 
back to him this morning. Let me pray for you. Father, we are so grateful for your word that guides us and helps us to understand your nature and who you are. Jesus, thank you for your amazing love and passion for us. How kind of crazy, to be honest, God. But we're so grateful. We take a moment to change our perspective this morning. Some of us are in some tough spots right now. Some of us, the feelings are kind of raging, God, just a little bit. So over, over and above our feelings, we choose to step over our feelings towards you this morning. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, that I know you're God and you're good and you're for me and you're with me this morning. Help me, God, in my humanness to change my perspective this morning. I have felt so far from you, God. And you are right there all the time. I choose to turn my face back to you this morning. Guide me through this week to keep my perspective upon you and your true nature and a kingdom that has set before us that is unshakable. And while we're still praying, if there's any of you here and you have never given your life over to God, if you've never had that day where you said, I need to make Jesus in charge of my life. I, I need to surrender my life. I'm going to pray with you. It's a simple thing to do, and yet it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Because no matter what kind of pain you've experienced in this world, or no, no matter what kind of hurt you've had, He's good. He is still for you. Some of you maybe have a hard time believing that, and He still is. He loves you just like you are, just where you are today. And He says, I want to be with you. I just need you to invite me in. So I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to give you words. And they're just words. You put the heart to it. If you want to accept Jesus today, you pray something like this. Jesus, today I surrender my heart to you. I ask you to come into my life and to make me new. I give it all up. I surrender it all and ask that you would help me, God, to live the life that you have intended for me to live today. A life that overcomes the pain of this world and lives with purpose. We pray it in the name of Jesus and all God's people say it. Amen.